0: I think you just had a little bit of a blip there, but now you're back, cool.
1: There we go. I had a blip, you had a blip, everybody had a blip. If we all had a blip together, it would be bliptastic. Um, it's Graham Cope with another of my music. I'm gonna be speaking to Rose any minute now, but first let's have this wonderful video from Analog Trash Please Do Support. Rose, how are you?
0: I'm doing well. How are you, Graham?
1: I'm I'm absolutely fantastic now, Rose. For for you because you probably don't know this because you probably don't inhabit the land of LinkedIn. Is that is that fair to say? Do or are you on LinkedIn?
0: Fair to say, I'm not. I've been meaning to get on there for years, but I have not yet. So so go ahead.
1: Okay. Well, if you ever need help getting on there, please let me know because that's that is where I normally live throughout most okay. of my day cool all right and one of the things that i do on linkedin every day every morning at about somewhere between seven o'clock and eight o'clock in the morning without fail done it for four years now every single day uh, is i do a poll and uh my polls are slightly ski kind of uh slightly abstract Um, I don't necessarily come straight with my polls, as it were, Uh, but sometimes I do. And today, knowing that I had you on this podcast, I wanted to use the title of your album on the poll.
0: Cool. Okay? Okay.
1: Okay. So my poll starts with A Place to Go When You Need to Hide, okay, which is the title of the album. Um, And I was asking people, do you ever fully feel the need to hide? And then I asked, and this was the poll question, do you have a place where you go to hide? And then I asked people to comment on where their places were. How many people do you think out of so far 68 people who have voted, how many people do you think have said yes, they do have a place to go and hide?
0: oh i think probably most of them said that they would want a place but how many have a place maybe a little less
1: would yeah be my guess. well 51 well, percent so far have said yes they have a place to hide okay no no is 35 and 13 decided it was a great question um but what's really interesting and let's just go through some of these places together right yeah. because it may it may sort of spring out where the album came from a little bit as well um people have said uh Cornwall which is uh what we were talking about just before we came on there which is a lovely part of the country in the southwest uh someone said I hide in my kitchen garden it's my sanctuary where I can potter and clear my mind
0: yes Uh, love that
1: somebody said simply turning my mobile off for a day or going scuba diving or surfing especially at night riding my motorbike yeah These are great. um my bedroom which could could go either way with that i hide at the arcades so i'm doing something relaxing it gives me a break from my phone you see this uh, there's definitely a thing about putting your phone down here isn't there um yeah. a crash helmet i love that can highly <laughs> highly recommend it push it on and you focus on nothing else but the ride hit of adrenaline does you the world of good hide in my head with a good book and music nice uh go for short walks coffee helps anywhere with peace quiet and occasionally a one-man disco (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's that's a great album title right there
1: that's that is but you strike that down right now A place called the insomnia cafe in market Harbor. This is very specific, which I call my secret coffee shop when I really need a few moments to myself to decompress. Oh, and I could go on, but there we are. I just thought I'd share that with you. That is so
0: cool. I love that. I love that. That's so awesome.
1: So where did the title come from? Well,
0: um, yeah, that's a big question. And that's a great question. It's a great place to start. So, um, you know, I wrapped up my last album, Grow, right as COVID, a year into COVID. And I was feeling a lot of burnout in a lot of areas of my life. Um, I was, you know, I had just gone through a period of massive burnout in my career. I'm a veterinarian. And that had been building for years. And COVID just pushed me right over the edge. I had a little breakdown, left my job, was figuring things out. Obviously, COVID had burned out everybody, you know, here in the US, like we were seeing a massive uptick in Real serious political issues and a lot of division between people, a lot of hate, a lot of racial crimes. We're seeing war on the war on Ukraine, a huge uptick in school shootings here in the U.S. I mean, things were kind of falling apart. And I thought, you know, I'm losing my head. You know, I struggle with anxiety and a little OCD, and so I was trying to take good care of myself. And I decidedly felt like I needed to go somewhere to hide. And so I thought, where would that be for me? And it was growing my vegetables and turning my phone off more and spending more time at home with my friends and living a little more intentionally. And I thought I was really making headway and I was starting to feel better. And right in my hiding place, I was uh, eventually, I started having these weird health problems and was eventually dinged with a long-term post-infectious Lyme disease diagnosis. And wow. Yeah. I mean, it really shattered my world because I had been living under this illusion that, you know, it was more of a delusion that I was, I'd find a hiding place. I was safe here. If I could just do these specific things, everything would be okay. And it, it hit me from inside. It still wasn't okay. Hiding at home wasn't enough. Being in my vegetable garden, being in a physical place wasn't enough. And so what I ended up learning over the course of the next year and a half where I was writing these songs and thankfully, in with a really good therapist, because it got a little dark. No one really knew what was wrong with me physically. It took a while to get the diagnosis. I had a failed surgery. Um, and it just kind of kept getting worse and worse. And I had a bit of an existential meltdown. And uh, what came out of it, though, was that the place that I really needed to go to hide was inside of myself. Um, I think that, like a lot of people, I had views about the universe and the world that just were a little inaccurate. And and everything fell apart around me, which was really scary. Um, and I think I just needed to step inside of myself a little bit and reevaluate things and decide how I wanted to move through it. And so the place to go when I need to hide apparently is not just my vegetable garden or a beautiful beach, but it's actually inside of myself. And that's what the album's about.
1: So in other words, if you don't actually deal with it, yes, you're not actually getting away from it.
0: Yeah. And I thought I was, it's totally fair. I thought I was dealing with it, but I, I wasn't going deep enough. Apparently the the depth that I had to go was deeper than my vegetable garden or hiking. It was, it was like a lot of soulful overhaul, I think, but it had to happen. And I I'm honestly glad it did as awful as it was. It really changed my world a lot for the better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, So it sounds like an incredibly cathartic experience then. The, yeah, the, I guess that, it was. That whole period. It, it is. Uh, was actually writing the album quite cathartic as well.
0: It really was, and it was incredible. As it was, I mean, not only was it following me through this whole experience. I mean, some journalist had he said he called it a a sonic journal, and that couldn't be a better term for it. Like I was writing it as I was going through this, as things were getting worse and worse. Um, but what was funny was, you know, in the midst of it, at the worst parts, these hopeful songs were coming to me. Um, and I was like, where the hell is this coming from? I mean, I'll take it at this point, but they were just these beautiful words that I found really soothing. Um, and as it turned out, that is how things ended up in the end. And the last song or two were actually written kind of in the middle of it. It was kind of like a future self was like, hey, rose it's going to be okay like this is how you're going to get through this and uh, i ended up using those songs at the end because that's actually how it played out it was kind of
1: cool that's immensely powerful um have you ever had that experience before when you were writing music or is this the first time it's
0: it's funny i actually have i remember um oh my gosh it was probably like 15 years ago now or something um I was, it was just another, you know, like in life, you go through these like highs and lows, right? That's also what the album was about is how high and how low life can get and how hard it could be to hold. But um, about 15 years ago, it was another kind of rough patch. I, I was having different health problems and needed surgery and went through a bad breakup and things were just rough. And I was just having the worst time ever. And in the middle of that, this super happy song popped into my head It's the happiest song I've ever written. It's called the summer song. It's on my first album. Uh, I, I find it interesting somehow when I am in the worst place, this hopeful music or hopeful song or hopeful lyrics just seems to come out of nowhere. It's beautiful. And I've, I've really learned to appreciate that.
1: Well, in terms of the music itself, this mm-hmm. album it flows incredibly well thank you and, and start to finish was it written in that order or it was was
0: it- yeah it actually was yeah. Which, yeah the only thing i think that, that wasn't exactly was the last song uh that was written kind of in the worst of it like we were saying and the song the dark of light which is maybe my favorite song i've ever done i actually wrote that in college like 20 years ago but i think i've been oh, waiting for the right place to the right time in the right place. Like I needed some production skills before I was able to pull that song off. It's like seven, eight to three, four, and you know, all these different changes and stuff. Um, But other than that, things were written and recorded pretty much in the exact order that they are on the album. It really is a story through and through.
1: That's why it has that incredible flow to it.
0: Thank you, yeah
1: that's that's amazing uh, for anyone yeah. that hasn't listened to the album yet it does it flows uh it you know ebbs as well really beautifully um and and stylistically from from one type of uh type of music to another as well and when you were writing it were you consciously listening to anything or were you consciously not listening to anything? I'm quite interested in that.
0: That is an awesome question. And I have, it's not, I used to think the answer was super weird, but the more independent artists I meet, the more I realize this answer was not so weird. I don't actually listen to music almost ever. Um, I love silence like that's my biggest inspiration if I'm like struggling with a song or being like yo I I need a chorus for this or I can't quite hear how I want these strings to work like I'll actually just go for like a 10 mile hike and just be in total silence and things just start to move in my head. So I was not really intentionally listening to anything. just because I normally don't. Uh, however, the the exception is. So I do enjoy creating concept albums. This is my most concept album album ever. <laughs> it's a story. It flows linearly. It's you know, um, and sometimes that does it have really, that in the
1: lin- does it have that in the line notes inside because yeah, it really should. If it, it doesn't, it, it yeah, yeah, it does. This is my most concepty concept but- album. Ever. Right. Yeah, that's.
0: Cool. <laughs> I didn't quite put it that way, but yeah. Um, I, sometimes those, the reason those can be hard is if it's like, you know, I kind of wanted like a little piece of this song in this other song and how am I going to do that mm. so that it flows or, you know, and so for inspiration with that and to answer those questions, I would dig into other people's concept albums. Um, Pink Floyd, I think does it great. They're one of my favorites. So I was listening to the final cut in the wall and dark side of the moon to try to figure out how did they do it in smooth ways. Um I'm a big dream theater fan, some some hardcore progressive rock, and they've had Are you? Yeah, they're pretty cool. And I was digging into them too. Uh, But you
1: gotta you gotta answer the question then. Uh Mike Portney or or post Mike Portnoy.
0: Portnoy, Portnoy. just Portnoy. Every every way. Oh my god, he's my favorite drummer of all time, and I'm so glad he's back with them. I was like, Yeah, like nothing against their other drummer. He was great, but like Portnoy's the man. I actually met him twice and he's super, super nice guy.
1: Did you Wow. Yeah, I
0: met the whole band. It was baller. It was The Greatest Night.
1: Yeah. what's We've got to digress for a minute. What's he, your favourite thing that he's done outside of Dream Theater?
0: Uh, I think I like Transatlantic a lot. That's kind of an yeah. older one. Well,
1: I, I, I'm, I'm going to say that as well because, uh, you know, I'm a big Marillion fan and, of course, yes! the bass players from Marillion. And there you go. And, and Marillion awesome. were always really good at segueing from one song to another across an album as well. You see?
0: Rock on. You know, I know of them. I don't know if I've listened to a lot, but I'll have to go check it out. Thanks for the tip.
1: You you will certainly do. After this, we won't do it now, but after this, I'll give you you some listening to go and, and, uh, and and do your homework with, but that's fantastic. Yeah. So, I mean, look, look, that's the one thing that prog does really well. Really, really well is that, movement it's almost symphonic isn't it that kind of that symphonical type movement between pieces and that linking yes that linking piece between pieces but just in case anyone would be thinking i'm listening to a prog album here you're you're, you're not in the realms of prog necessarily right. are you I mean, no no
0: it's kind of light core. I think some people recognize there's some prog elements. Like the dark of light is probably the most proggy, but I, the reason I kind of moved away from prog rock is it, I feel like sometimes it's lacking in emotion and I got bored with that. And so I want myself to be emotive, but also have kind of that prog edge. So it's there, but I think you have to dig, you know?
1: Yeah. But in terms of the grit that comes through sometimes and the, you know, even some of the voice and whatever, you're, you're up there with like, Fans like The Breeders and Kim Deal and people like that as well. Yeah, yeah. When you, I mean, the the fact that you say you you don't listen to music particularly, although you must have some some reference points, do you ever then find that a little bit weird sometimes when you then play your music to fans of yours and then... They give you all sorts of reference points, and you're like, "Yeah, uh, no, I've never heard of it." <laughs> well, the,
0: the cool thing is, I feel like when I do get reference points, when fans are like, "Oh, you sound like blah blah blah," it kind of makes sense because I, I, this is the—it's not intentional. But ninety-nine percent of the time, they'll be like, "You sound like the Cranberries," and I was like, "Cool, like I like them, but they were never my favorite band." So I, I obviously soaked up a lot of the '90s. I think it comes out. Uh, just kind of naturally. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's an honor because I think Dolores O'Riordan had an incredible voice and it's a tragedy that she's no longer here, but they're great. So I'm, I'm cool with that. That's fine. I think just what comes out comes out. It probably sounds like stuff that I do like. And there are bands that I love. Like I, I'm a big U2 fan. I think Off Baby is my favorite. Um, I love the newer stuff by Silverchair. Uh, they moved out of grunge really fast and into some really sophisticated stuff. And I think Daniel Johns has an incredible voice. Uh, I love 60s rock, um, the psychedelic stuff, like all of it. So it's not that I don't like music; I love it. I just find that I don't listen to it as much as I do, just like silence. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's it's difficult sometimes to, and this is going to sound odd, but it's difficult sometimes to find uh, the space to to create and the space to listen to music.
0: One hundred percent, and that's, does that's that. Make sense to you? Yes, yes. You know, like when I. When I left my job as a vet, I was um, supporting myself by doing music full time. And one of the things I was doing to make extra money is doing production work for other artists. So I produce most of my own stuff. Uh, I work with a producer named Jamie Hill, who's amazing. He kind of mentors me through it as I learn. But I, I am able to do my own. And I was doing a lot of production for other independents, which was great. And it was keeping me afloat financially. But I found that the more their songs were in my head, the less I heard my own. So my writing kind of tanked. It's hard to balance the two, for me at least. I know people that do it, and I wish I could. But it's like, if I don't keep the pipe clean, I think Nick Cave one time did an amazing talk where he talked about your creative pipe, and it has to be open and clean for the songs and the inspiration to come through. And I think I found that to be 100% the case with me. And if I don't keep my pipe clean, I, I can't write. I don't hear the songs. There's nothing coming through. So I try to keep some space for myself, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I love the whole conversation about creativity and, and yeah. space and where it should come from. I mean, I, I've said several times on here that, you know, I, I write or create all day long. And, you know, for me, it, it I just have to find it in very small things as well, because a lot of the time, if you're actually sat creating, you're not necessarily out doing stuff
0: 100
1: <laughs> right so it's the times that i am out i'm really absorbing and i just have to completely absorb like we went to yeah i was speaking to you about it before but like we went to the beach at the weekend and you know if if i take like an hour or two across along the beach i don't really want to talk you know yeah. i literally just want that to Come in. Yeah. Because that will see itself out at some point. Yeah. And and then little things like when I go to the shop, I just like to really watch and observe people and stuff. Yes. You know, and just snippets of conversation can become really quite big later on. I'm I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna guess that you're a fellow introvert, is that correct?
1: Yeah, I'd like I'd like to think that I'm uh I'm a confident introvert. Yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs> no, I understand exactly what you mean. Like it sounds like you're sensitive to your surroundings and you can let those in to a point where they trigger some kind of inspiration. I completely understand exactly what you mean. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, we did a in fact, we did a whole podcast actually the whole the the other day on what it means to be an introvert. I'll send you a link to that as well because it's fascinating. And oh right yeah, totally. Guy, yeah. We had an expert who is an expert in being an introvert on it. And we we discussed the whole thing through because I don't think a lot of people understand what it means.
0: Yes. I agreed. think a lot of
1: people think it means to be shy. That's not necessarily the case. Right. It's much more. And she was explaining, it's much more about an energy. It's much more about what you bring to a space. Yes. Fascinating. Fascinating.
0: Yes, I did. And I, I was just saying that, like, I, I know, like, I would love to hear it because years, a couple of years ago, maybe 10, 15 at this point, I, I happened to pick up a book called quiet. It was written by somebody named Susan something, but it, it rocked my world. I totally identified with it. It made me understand myself better. So I'd love to hear this podcast. It sounds amazing.
1: What I'd also love to know is now that you've completed this album
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you've, you've faced your demons and you've kind of, you know, put them to rest in this album. <laughs> what's the what's the creative space you're in now? What's all what's the headspace you're in now? Where where is the where's the creativity taking you now?
0: Ah, uh, it's a very good question. I feel like I wish I could just put my demons to bed and have them sleep, but I feel like like most people, it's a constant maintenance sort of thing. But I am feeling really really good for the time being. Um, and the creative spark, it's been interesting. I am working on my next album already, which is sort of in the same I get alt-rocky vein. But in the weirdest way I've been hearing uh, and listening to a lot of um, like neoclassical piano and ambient stuff. And there's a part of me that really feels like that's something that I want to explore. Um, I find it really peaceful. It just feels really good viscerally. So I think that, you know, maybe within the next year or two, I might dip a toe on that and see what that does.
1: Yeah, are we, are we going to get like shades of Philip Glass and things like that? Are we going to get oh, like little <laughs> I wish. <laughs> we're going to get little repetitive you know uh, subtle piano loops coming in and stuff like that yeah
0: I mean that would be amazing I love Philip Glass Um, I I do not I'm not a pianist I barely play I mean the stuff on my albums it takes me a while to figure out and I play it but I I am not by any stretch a keys player but um, I'm pushing the limits but that's what keeps it interesting
1: that would be good yeah I I, I could see actually with what with the, the sort of tonality of what you do. I could even see you sort of going a little bit down the lines of something a little bit more experimental as well. Like, do you know, do you ever listen to um, Penguin Cafe Orchestra?
0: No, but I think I would love them based on the name alone.
1: Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, and, they, and they did a fantastic song once called Telephone in a Rubber Band. Okay. Yeah. Which literally uh-huh. sounds like it starts with a tele... And, and it, the element of that kind of Pink Floydy thing in there as well, Do you know, like um, at the beginning of Money, where you get the doom. Yeah. It's the time, right. Yeah. So they've got this kind of uh, quasi uh, um, sort of chamber music type thing going on, but at the same time, they, they, they on this song they had like a, 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 a telephone noise play and then a rubber band, which kind of makes the bass line, and slowly but surely it evolves and then you lose that. So you kind of know it's there still, but you kind of forget it's Excellent. there at the same time.
0: Excellent. I'm into it. I gotta check that out.
1: Yeah. I just, I could see, I could see you doing something like that. I think that could be quite, you know, maybe playing playing with, playing with sounds a little bit more on the That's next it, album. That's it,
0: exactly. I felt like on the last album, there were these little pockets where, where I found myself really digging in. Like uh, there's a little, pocket right before the guitar solo at the end of the devil that you know or the whole solo in the dark of light it was this space and i'm like what the heck am i gonna put here so i put one small thing and then put another small thing and then just ended up creating these weird little soundscapes in the middle of the songs which i found really cool and uh just being able to just do that in an album i think would just be a blast so it was neat to kind of accidentally step into something like that creating the last album
1: That sounds fantastic. I can't wait to hear that. Thank you. Last question for you today. Yeah. Um, And then I shall let you go off into the evening, which is um, in terms of other types of art, because I I sense you probably touch over into other kinds of art as well. Book at all, at any stage? oh do, like, do have, see... I, have
0: i written a book or do i
1: read books no do, do you we think that there could be a book in you at some stage or or some other form of artistic expression
0: um it's so interesting I, it's funny i guess it depends on how you explain or how you define artistic expression i find growing vegetables or knitting uh equally as expressive as music. not Maybe not as much, but sort of. Mm. I do like to write short stories. I have had the idea to write a book. I've been told I should write a book because apparently I'm funny to some people. But um, someday I think that would be great. I I love the idea of writing. It's quiet. It's just you and a computer. Um, It just seems like a really cool practice. So it would be great someday if I could get into that. But no, I haven't really officially done anything like that yet.
1: It sounds to me as though that you you... You're quite an observer of people as well, and perhaps you know you should even like write a little script of uh, of your observations of people. That that could be quite quite charming. It, as well, it might think. get
0: me sued, but I'll keep that in mind. Oh, no.
1: listen, getting sued these days is a is a great way to make money. That's um, true. Well. yeah, it is absolutely. It's the it's the oh, fast wow. track to it's the fast track to fame. Let's face it, you know.
0: Can't beat the
1: attention, Rose. it's been it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and finding out a little so bit much. more about you. Um, do come to the UK sometime, and I, I promise you that if you do next time you come, the Southwest is the best part of the UK to go to. There will be other people watching this that will uh, from the UK who will disagree with that, but that's fine. <laughs> they can state their own case. Uh, but we'd love to see you by the sea.
0: Awesome. Um, I would love that. Thank you. Our fish
1: and chips are to die for. Oh, yes. Rose, Rose, before you leave us, just just one last time, where's the best place for people to go and find out about your music so that they can connect with you in a meaningful way?
0: Awesome. I mean, I'm I'm easily reachable through either Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I'm on Mastodon. Uh, I've got a Bandcamp page. Um, They could find the music on any streaming platform, pretty standard Spotify, iTunes, Apple, whatever. Uh, YouTube is also an option. Um, But yeah, I mean, if anyone was looking to really reach out, they could hit me there. Or My email is rosalimomusic at gmail.com.
1: That's the way to do it, folks. Please do (laughs) go and find Rose on uh, all of those uh, platforms. But something like Bandcamp's brilliant because you can can actually follow. Rose will know that you're following. You can be part of the mailing list. Um, There's lots of actual music you can pay for there, not just stream, which is a fantastic thing to do. Uh, yeah. Because it really supports artists, um, as I've told you millions of times. But you know that by now, folks, uh, and and a lot of the people that watch this actually do put them their uh, money where their mouth is uh, and support nice. artists, which is great. Yes, absolutely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to meet Thank you, you. Thank you so much for coming on. We do wish you all the best in uh, the rest of two thousand twenty-four with your music. Please go and find a place to hide, folks, and. May that place involve the music of Rose, who's been on today. Until next time, bye for now.